Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. I lead Faith Christian Center in Austell, Georgia. Thanks for tuning in today. I believe today's message will encourage you, inspire you, help you live a life that makes Jesus famous in every area of your life. And as a result of this message, I believe something good is going to happen in your life as you listen and as you apply it. So listen up. Here's today's message. So Psalm 4 verse 3. A couple weeks ago, the Lord just impressed in my spirit. It was an audible voice. It was just, he let me know a couple weeks in advance what I'm supposed to talk about today. And it's a very simple message in concept. But he just wanted to, you to know today that he's hurt you. Today's message is called, God has hurt you. Someone's like, well, I, no, has he hurt me? No, God has heard you. Psalm 4 verse 3. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Say, the Lord will hear when I, me, me, when I call unto him. Go to Psalm 77 verse 1. God has heard you. So, well, I don't know if we heard. No, God has heard you. Psalm 77, verse 1. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. Go to Psalm 116, verse 1. The Lord let me know this is what I'm supposed to minister to you today. Next month I'll be doing a two-day meeting in Brussels, Belgium. He says this is your opening message for them. God has heard you. Psalm 116, verse 1. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Notice what the psalmist said. One of the reasons I love my God. He heard me when I prayed. He answered me when I prayed. And because of that, I'm going to call on him. I'm going to pray to him every single day of my life. Go to Psalm 34, verse 1. God has heard you. God has heard you. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So why is David about to turn up? Why is he about to celebrate? Why is he about to praise God? Verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me. I prayed and God heard me. And what was his response? He delivered me from all my fears. See, they looked unto him and were light and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man, this phrase, this poor man, means the afflicted man, the troubled man. David was in a very dangerous situation. He had trouble on every side. He had a problem on every side. But it says, I cried, and the Lord heard me and saved me out of all my troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why is he saying taste and see? Because I prayed and God heard me. So taste and see he's good because I prayed and God heard me. 
Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Because I trusted him, I prayed, and God heard me. Oh, reverence the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want, there is no lack to those who reverence him. Remember, the stem context is, I sought the Lord, I prayed, and God heard me. He says, I sought God, I prayed, and guess what? He heard me, and I have no lack. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord, come on, those who go after God, those who pray, shall not want or lack any good thing. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Say, that's me. Because remember, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your righteousness is not based about what you do. It's about what Jesus did. And his ears are open unto their cry. Verse 17, the righteous cry. Say, that's me. And the Lord hears and he delivers them out of all their troubles. Verse 19, many are the afflictions, the troubles, the problems of the righteous. Many are the troubles and the problems that confront the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of how many? How many? How many? See, the thing is David is singing and celebrating this way. Because he was surrounded by problems and troubles. But he said, I asked God, and he delivered me from every single one. See, being a believer will not exempt you from having problems and circumstances and trying times. But it does let you know that before the problem showed up, you're already guaranteed victory. So when the trouble comes, when the problem comes, you say, hey, I already knew you were coming, but thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. I'm going to pray. My God will hear me, and it will work out. In my favor. God has heard you. Psalm 34 verse 19 in the Amplified says, Many hardships and perplexing circumstances confront the righteous, but the Lord rescues him from them all. The pastor translates says, Even when bad things happen to good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. Go to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Verse 1. God has heard you. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. We sang that earlier. The sorrows of death compassed me. And the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. Sounds like he's in a rough situation. It's like David's having a big problem. In my distress. This word distress means trouble or a tight spot. So David said, I was in a tight spot. Has anyone ever been in a tight spot before? So David said, in my tight spot, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. Say, my God. And he heard my voice, say my voice, out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. What was the result of this prayer? Verse 19, he brought me forth into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. So he took David from a tight spot, a pressing situation, surrounded by problems and circumstances. And he took him from that tight spot into this large open spot. Why? David called upon the Lord. And the Lord heard him. God has heard you. He's like, Pastor, I know you're confident that God heard us. 
but how can I have the same confidence that God has heard me? Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. God has heard you. This is what he told me to tell you today. God has heard you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. I looked up this word confidence, and it means cheerful courage. Cheerful courage. Bold, frank speech. Bold, frank speech. Free and fearless confidence. Free and fearless confidence. This is the cheerful courage that causes bold, frank speech and us to live in free and fearless confidence. This is what we have in him. That if we ask anything, say anything. anything. Notice he didn't say spiritual things. Anything. According to his will, he hears us. So that means if I pray according to his will, God hears me. Oh, pastor, we just can't know the will of God. It's so mysterious. It's so wild. How can man know the will of God? Well, if God tells you his will, you can know. Because God's word is his will. Well, how, pastor, I know that. The Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus gave you his last will and testament. He died to make it so and got back up again to make sure you got it. God's word is his will. God is not confused. He's not going to change his mind about subject. If you want to know really what God has to say about you, where your life is today, you look in these New Testament letters which are written to you. And you can see the will of God for you in these letters. So your prayer life isn't just you throwing up a prayer hope or a hope that sticks. No, you pray according to the will of God. And the will of God is the word of God. So that means when you pray, your prayer is based on the word of God, or your prayers is paraphrased from the word of God, or you're directly quoting the word of God. Oh, God, you said this in your word. 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 This is what I asked for because you said this in your word. I believe it, and I receive it. Well, won't God get annoyed with me telling him what I He said, no, he likes that. Like, go ahead, tell me what I said. Go ahead, tell, quote my book to me. Go ahead, quote my book to me. That's how our prayer life has to be based, based on the word of God. Because if you pray according to his word, which is his will, he hears you. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we desired of him. The word petition means request or the thing that was asked for. See, you can have cheerful courage, which causes bold, frank speech. And free and fearless confidence, because you pray according to the word, so you know God has heard you, and that you have exactly what you asked for. Not you'll get it one day, or you'll get it in the sweet by and by, or one day somehow, maybe in heaven I'll get no, right now. Go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Knowing that God has heard you should inspire you to have cheerful courage. It should affect the way you talk. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. Have the faith of God. Have the God kind of faith. 
For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things? Say things. Soever you desire. The word desire means want. So Jesus is talking about things that you want. Does anybody here want some things? Some of you are like, no, I can't say I want things in church. We have an altar for liars, so let's try this one more time. Is there anybody who wants things? And Jesus said, what things that you want when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Another word for receive with the simplest definition is to take. Believe that you take it and you'll have it. So when you pray, you take it. Well, pastor, I can't take it when I pray. Well, then you won't get it. You must take it when you pray. So by the time you say amen, you've made up the decision in your heart. It's already done. I got it. You have cheerful courage. You have confidence because you know God heard you. And because he heard you, he's granted your request. So by faith, you've already taken it because you believe God gave it to you. And if someone gives you something, it's just polite to say thank you. So, Pastor, if I already asked for it by faith and I've received it by faith, what do I do after that? Just say thank you. What do you do every single day? Thank you. Well, what about the next day? Thank you. In the words of our founder, go to bed, get up, praise God. Go to bed, get up, praise God. Go to bed, get up, praise God. Why? You believe he heard you. You believe you got exactly what you asked for. So just be polite and say thank you. You have confidence. You have faith. So in prayer, you take it. This is where your confidence comes from. But you say, well, pastor, okay, I, I get that. I understand taking it by faith. I get that God has heard us. You know, we pray in faith. But what if I messed up? What if I'm in a bad situation because of me. It wasn't someone else. It was me. What if I'm in a bad situation because I was stupid? Has anyone been stupid before? What if I'm in a bad situation because I did something crazy? Anybody done something crazy before? What if I'm in a situation I created because I messed up? I did what I was not supposed to do. I rebelled against God. I went the wrong way. What happens if I did that? Will God hear me? I told you God heard you. But let me prove it to you. Even if you create a situation that's horrible. Go to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. See, I love the story of Jonah, the story of the disobedient, rebellious, racist prophet. Disobedient, rebellious, and racist. Well, Pastor, how is he racist? God told him, I want you to go preach to the Ninevites. Jonah knew enough about God and his mercy, and the anointing that was on his life says, if I preach, they're going to repent. So he knew what he was anointed to do. And if they're going to repent, judgment can't, can't, can't come. I want those people to die. I said, like, well, why did Jonah li- was like that? Some scholars have studied out that some of the Ninevites invaded parts of Israel and Judah and possibly killed members of Jonah's family years before. So Jonah blamed a whole race of people for what few of the people did in the past. Oh, y'all got really quiet on that one. So God tells Jonah, I want you to go preach to them. I don't want to go preach to those people. You know what those people are like. 
all of them are like those few people who did that. So I don't want to preach to those people. So what does he do? He gets a ticket on a boat to go the opposite direction, to go as far away from his assignment that he can. And the thing is, he wasn't quiet about it. He wasn't hiding it. He was open with his backslidden state. He got on the boat. He was like, oh, where are you going? Uh, I'm running from God. That's what he said to him. I'm running from God. He told me to do this. I don't want to do it. I'm going the other direction. They're like, oh, whatever, dude. Go, live your truth. So they're on the boat. Jonah's resting. Jonah's relaxing. And a storm comes. And it's a really bad storm. They wake up Jonah, dude, what's, come out here with us. And so it's an Old Testament practice of ancient cultures. They cast lots say, who calls this storm? Now, these people on the boat, they aren't believers. They're heathen. They don't believe in the one true God. They believe in all these other different things. And the lot fell and said, it's Jonah's fault. So it looks like, dude, what did you do? He told them that they were running from God. He was running from God. And he said, you know, even though he was backslidden, his anointing still worked. So he started preaching. I serve the God that made heaven and earth, made the sea and everything that's in it. That's the God who I serve and I'm running from. They're like, dude, no, no. You mean you are running from the one who made these waters and made these clouds? And now we're in a storm because of your hard head? So they said, what do we need to do to stop the storm? What do we need to do to get it to stop? Jonah says, well, I'm the reason it's here. Pick me up and throw me overboard. Dude, you've caused the storm by running away from God. We want to live. We ain't going to throw you over the boat. And then we're all done for. But Jonah convinces them. And so the, the sailors, he's like, look, God, this is your prophet. We're throwing him overboard because he told us to do so. Don't blame us for his craziness. And they took him, threw him overboard, and the storm immediately stopped. And you know what all those heathen sailors did? They repented and followed God. See, even though Jonah was backslidden, his anointing was still working. See, the gifts and callings of God without repentance. So Jonah gets thrown into the sea, and apparently he can't swim because he begins to sink. And so now he's in a rough situation. You can't swim. You're in the sea. You're sinking in the middle of the sea. You're done for. This is a situation he created. This is a mess he created. This is a problem he created. But in his disobedience, in his rebellion, in his mess, God still provided. Because you may be in a mess right now, but there's still provision from God. It says God had prepared a whale or a big fish to come and swallow up Jonah. So now Jonah is alive, albeit inside of a fish, a giant whale. But he's alive. So you get to chapter 2, verse 1. This rebellious, disobedient, backslidden, racist prophet prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of my affliction, my trouble unto the Lord. Why did he have trouble? He caused it. And what? But I thought he caused that situation. I thought he was in that because he messed up. Yeah. But guess what? God still heard him. Out of the belly of hell I cried, and you heard my voice. And so what happened after Jonas finished praying? God causes that whale to spit Jonah up. He goes through the ocean. It must have been a powerful vomit. Because he's traveling through the ocean like he's Aquaman. And lands on the seashore. 
And you got to think, he's been inside the belly of a whale. He stinks. See, sometimes your sin will cause you to smell like whale vomit. Look at your neighbor and say, <laughs> ask your other neighbor, do you smell like whale vomit? Because somebody's like, well, now God got him out of this situation, but now he smells like whale vomit, and he still has to go and preach. But you know something about whale vomit to more accurately? What it was, it was the indigestion of the whale. How many of you preach, preach that? Oh, Jonah prayed and God gave that whale indigestion, and he spit him up on dry land. Anyone heard something like that before? Yeah, he did have indigestion. But there's a certain type of substance, some people call it whale vomit, some people have the proper term of it, of indigestion that comes from a whale. That after it goes through the sea for some time and lands on the seashore, it starts transforming into another waxy substance. And this substance is rare, but it's found in the very expensive perfumes of the world. Because this waxy substance causes the perfume to stick on people's skin long. So although Jonah was covered in whale vomit, but he went through that ocean. He landed on the seashore. And he began to walk around. So soon he stopped smelling like what he'd been through. And then he began to smell a beautiful fragrance of the goodness of God, of the restoration ability of God. There was a different aroma coming from him. And one of the things God told me to tell you today is, you're not going to smell like what you've been through. I don't care if you caused it, if you created the mess, but our God is good. And his mercy endures forever. And when you call unto God, he will hear you. He will bring you out and cause you not even to smell like what you've been through. So some of you say, well, I'm covered in well, but I'm going to just know the aroma is about to change. It's going to be the fragrance of Christ. It's going to be the fragrance of the goodness of God. The fragrance of God's ability to restore. The fragrance of God's ability to clean you up and bring you to a place that people look at you and see all the goodness of your life. Think, oh, you must have been good every single day of your life. No, I don't deserve any of the things that are happening in my life right now. You don't understand. I messed up. I was hard-headed. But my God heard me. And my God forgave me. And my God cleaned me up. And my God brought me out. Now I don't even look like what I've been through. I don't even smell like what I've been through. God has turned it all around, and if he did it for me, he can do it for you too. God has heard you, and you're not going to smell like what you've been through. There's a different aroma coming your way. Because what did God tell us in 1 John 1, 9? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Peter said in 1 Peter 3, 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. See, you're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Just because you sinned and did something stupid and rebelled, it didn't stop you from being righteous. When you were a sinner, even though you did good things, it didn't make you righteous. So why do you think now that you're saved and the righteous of God in Christ Jesus that your sins make you not righteous? Nothing you can do can change your righteousness. That is your standing. It gives you the ability to go to God and say, hey, I messed up. Clean me up, please. Forgive me. Nothing you can do can change your standing. And because you're the righteous, God's ears are open when you pray. I said, okay, Pastor, okay, I'm not going to smell like what I've been through. God will bring me out of my situation. But what if there's some elements of my situation that stay because it's a situation I created 
and I have to walk through it. I have to deal with some of the stuff. What, what do I do about that? Go to Genesis 16. Genesis 16. Start with verse 11. It's a familiar story for people who know the story of Abraham. Start as Abram and Sarah. They couldn't have kids. God promised them, I will give you a son. But they thought God was taking too long. Anybody ever been there? Like, God, you're taking a long time right now. And so Sarah woke up one morning, and she had an idea. She said, well, God promises kids it's taking a long time, but maybe, just maybe, hear me out, Abram. God really wants to give us kids through Hagar, that young Egyptian from Egypt, that young Egyptian. So I want you to start a harem, Abram. I want you to marry her and have kids through her. You know what the man of faith said? Okay. (laughs) And so Hagar gets pregnant. And she has kind of like an attitude about her. It's like, I'm pregnant, Sarah. What happened to you? And Sarah's like, oh, not in my house. And Sarah treats her in such a way that Hagar runs away. So she runs away, not knowing what she's going to do. And the angel Lord appears to her and says, Behold, you're with child. You're going to bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. Now, some people say, oh, you know, when you mess up and do it your own way, you get Ishmael projects. I don't like people calling it Ishmael projects because the word Ishmael means God will hear. See, it was not Ishmael's fault. Just because his parents did something crazy, it's not his fault. But he's being born into a situation that is filled with drama. If you ever study out Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, their family, God has blessed them. But that is some family drama. You think you have family drama. Now go, go read the Bible. Like really read. And all the drama that was in Abraham's life, Isaac's life, Jacob's life. But notice if God can bring them out of their family drama, why don't you think he can do it for you? He blessed them and worked with them with their issues. God will still bless you and work with you in your issues. And so Hagar goes back. She has Ishmael. 13 years go by, God appears to Abram and says, look, grow up, dude. Be mature. Walk before me. He reminds him about his promise. He says, Sarah will have a son. Abraham was hard for Abraham to believe. Now he's almost 100. And Abraham said unto God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, Sarah, your wife shall bear a son indeed, and you should call his name Isaac, because y'all laughed. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Remember, Ishmael means God will hear. I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him already and will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I'll make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto you at this set time next year. God said concerning Ishmael, I've heard you. I will bless him. It was never Ishmael's fault. God was not going to hold Ishmael responsible because his parents were crazy. God says, I will bless him, I'll make him great, I will take care of him. I'll make sure he turns out right. God gave him that promise. And so, you know, Isaac is born, Ishmael's a teenager, and he starts making fun of Isaac, kind of acting like his mom did with Sarah. And Sarah once again says, oh, not in my house. And so they go to leave 
Abraham's upset because he doesn't want his son to leave. But God said, no, they do need to go. Remember, God already told them, I will bless them, and I will take care of them. So they leave, and then their provisions run out while they're somewhere in the wilderness. They're hungry. They're thirsty. No one's around. There's no provision around. Hagar is distraught. She leaves Ishmael under this bush and walks away and says, I don't want to see my son die. So she goes and says, uh, bow's distance away and begins to weep. And as she weeps, an angel appears to her and says, what's wrong, Hagar? Why are you crying? For God has heard the voice of who? Whose voice? Ishmael. So although Ishmael's dehydrated under this bush somewhere, God heard Ishmael. And what happens because God heard him? He says, get up. Take the lad. Take him by the hand. I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew. See, the thing is, there may be some elements or some people that are part of your situation now because of decisions you made. God didn't tell you to stress out about them. God said, I have heard them. I'll take care of it. So don't get distressed like, well, you know, some of you may be in here. He says, well, I haven't really lived for God, and so I have all these different situations attached to it. Yeah, I'll say that because you reminded me about earlier this week. Just reminded me again. Some of you in here is like, well, my paycheck is garnished because I got a lot of kids. God's telling you today, I'll take care of it. So he'll prosper you. You do right by all your kids. But God will take care of it. And he can bring you into a situation where the whole thing is not filled with drama. That is peace. Like, now that'll be a miracle. If me and all my baby moms at peace, he's in the miracle working business. <laughs> Whoever that is, God says, I have heard you. So stop calling things Ishmael situations that you think is always negative. No, it's a situation God has heard. And God said, I will take care of it. Yeah, you created it, but I'll take care of it. I will bless it. I will make it work to your advantage. And I said, well, okay, Pastor, okay, I, I got that. But what if I'm in a negative situation due to unfairness, due to bias, bigotry, people trying to oppress me and hold me down? What if I'm in a situation because somebody's racist? What if they're not paying me what I really deserve because I'm a woman? What if they're not really paying me what I deserve because I'm older than everyone else at the company? What, am I, what if I'm in a situation that people are trying to hold me down systematically? God, what do you have to say about that? Go to James chapter 5. Go to James chapter 5. See, y'all get quiet on certain points and look at me. Like, mm-hmm. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 1. Go to now, you rich men. By context here, as you keep reading through James chapter 5, these are wicked rich people. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. What would make wicked rich people cry? Their money gone. 
They may be the most conservative person, but if all their money left, they're going to weep and howl like the rest of everybody. Your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is can't get everything you have left is gone and rusted. It's a witness against you. And it shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. He says, you've piled up money and wealth for the last days. Now, how do they get it? Through hard work? No, listen, look how these wicked rich people got it. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, your employees, the people who work for you. You kept that, their money by fraud, by deception. They have cried. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered unto the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies. So you may be in a situation today that you're not where you're supposed to be because people have denied you. People try to oppress you. People try to hold you down. They were biased against you, bigoted towards you, and have kept back from you what really belongs to you. God told me to tell you today, he's heard you. And notice the name it uses for God here, the Lord of hosts, or the God of angel armies. That's what that phrase means. It's talking about the God who goes to battle. It's talking about the God who has hosts of angels at his command. One of the ways it's translated is the Old Testament, the God who can take all the forces of nature and mobilize it to an army at an instant. The God who can take everything around you and cause it to be a weapon for your advantage. See, when you read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and you see in the book of Job that God has a habit of taking what belongs to wicked rich people and giving it to his people. There's even one scripture that says, oh, yeah, you'll buy it. But you won't wear it. You'll pile up silver with the gut, silver like the dust, but you won't spend it. It says in Ecclesiastes that God has given the wicked rich a job. And it says their job is to gather up for those who are good in the sight of God. That he may give it to them. So when you see wicked rich people on TV, don't say, oh, it seems like everything's good for them. I know they're evil and all that. Don't trip. Let's say, oh, they work for me. Don't get offended at people. God didn't call you to get mad at people or get revenge at people. So forgive everybody everything. Walk in love. See, but they're doing this at my job. Walk in love. You know, you have some things you need to do in the natural. Walk in love anyhow while you're doing. And don't respond when they're trying to push that button, when they're really trying to get under your skin. Don't respond. Let's go talk to God about it. God, you said in James 5 that you hear my prayers, even when people are keeping what belongs to me by fraud and deception, even if it's in a systematic way. You heard me. I take my wealth transfer. But see, notice something about that. It says they heaped it together for the last days or for the end time. Guess what? We're in the end time. See, we're talking about a year of abundant harvest. Part of your harvest is a wealth transfer. That God can get things to you. Say, well, how is he going to do it? It's not your job to figure out how. It's your job to keep yourself in a position. Life is not fair, but God is just. So don't think God hasn't seen or God doesn't know. He told me to tell you today, he has heard you. You get yourself in a position to receive what he has for you. 
You forgive everybody of everything. You let it go. Don't hold things against people. Forgive people. Let it go and say, well, my God will make it right. My God will take care of it. My God will restore me. See, when I was in Zimbabwe, I was preaching about the outpouring of the Spirit. You read in Joel chapter 2 how he'll restore to you the years that they canker worm and all the other things have eaten. And in Joel chapter 2, when he studied out, the reason those things came in was because Israel was disobedient. They lost stuff because of their own problem. But the outpouring of the Holy Ghost would bring restoration. See, the thing is, it doesn't matter who took it from you or took it from people before you. Your God can give it to you. One of the things I started saying when I was 14, I was in a meeting, Brother Copeland was preaching. He said, you need to start saying that you're the captain of your inheritance. So that's what I've been saying. I'm the captain of my inheritance. Anything that has been stolen or denied or kept from my family or my ancestors is restored to me in my lifetime now. And now that I have kids, it's restored to my kids as well. Anything. Because the thing is, people may forget what was kept from your family line. God hasn't. I said, God hasn't. You may not even know it was kept, but you get in faith, stuff that showed up. Well, where, where did that come from? Well, you had a great-great-grandmother who trusted Jesus, and someone took something from her, and God said, I'm giving it to you. No, God didn't call you to five people. Be a Facebook warrior. <laughs> Instagram avenger. He didn't call you to do that. Walk in love. Forgive everybody of everything. And no, your God is just. He's Jehovah Tiskanu, the Lord, your righteousness, the one who makes everything all right. Not the one who makes everything okay. The one who makes everything right. So you may have an area in life, well, God, that's not right. You serve the God who can make it right. He says, well, there's so many different areas. I'm so glad he's a big God. I'm so glad he's the most high God. I'm so glad he's more than enough because he can take every crooked place, every place that's not right, and make it right for me. Because that is just who he is. God has heard you. Okay, I believe that, Pastor. Okay, I got it. God has heard me. But what if it takes a long time? Like long, 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 long. Time. I've, said, I've said thank you for a long time now, Pastor. I've been thanking God for a long, 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 long time. Because some of you here, you've been saved and been using your faith for years, some decades, some more than half a century. So, Pastor, some things that's been taking a long time, what do I do? What's happening? What's going on? Go to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. You'll see the prophet Daniel. He moved to Babylon by force as a teenager. He was 14, 15 years old when he went into Babylon. He was about a sophomore in high school. When he went over. And as he was there, God gave him favor. And eventually he began serving the government. So you read from Daniel chapter 1. You see he served under Nebuchadnezzar all the way to the first year of King Cyrus. Now Cyrus wasn't saved. He wasn't a believer. Cyrus was a heathen that God anointed. And God used to bless his people. God can anoint heathen kings. Stop tripping. Because you know what God anointed Cyrus to do? To get money to his people. Because Nebuchadnezzar took their stuff. Cyrus stood up and says, the spirit of the most high God has called me to build him a house in his land. So I'm going to send all the people who are captive back to their land. And everybody in my empire, give him an offering. What? 
When's the last time you see a heathen stand up and take an offering for God's people? And command everybody on him to give to. He said, I'm going to give everything that's in the storehouse. So that's what he did in the first year. But Daniel retired after the first year. And so you see what's happening in Daniel chapter 10. It's his third year of Cyrus's reign. So Daniel's retired. You know, depending on how you study or read, Daniel is older. He's retired. Some studies even say he's over 100 by now. And so he's been walking with God for a long time, at least 80 years, maybe 100 years. He knows God pretty well. So something is revealed to him and begins to pray about it, and he doesn't get an answer. He expected to get a quick answer. So he continues to pray and fast, and three weeks go by, and he doesn't have an answer. But, verse 12, an angelic being appeared to him. Hey, Daniel, don't be afraid. For from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chase yourself before your God, your words were heard. As soon as you prayed, God heard you. So notice the angel was sent to bring reassurance to Daniel. God heard you. And the angel said, I am here for those words. Here's what took me so long. Because he was like, well, if God heard me the first day I prayed, what took the angel three weeks to get here? Did he call in traffic? The 285 hold him up? What's going on? And he says, I was on my way with a demonic prince of Persia. Not a person, a demonic spirit. A high-ranking principality in the atmosphere. Resisted me. And we fought 21 days, a 21-day battle. Some people would have given up by day 14. But Daniel kept praying. As he kept praying, Michael, one of the chief angels, one of the baddest angels, was released to bring assistance. See, Daniel continuing and pushing to prayer caused more angelic forces to be released. You keep praying, more reinforcements come. And Michael was released to assist this angel, this angelic being, so that Daniel could get the answer that he needed. But if Daniel gave up, he wouldn't got his answer. Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 18. It says, he spake a parable unto them in verse 1, to this end, that men ought to pray always and not faint. So the whole purpose of Luke chapter 18 parable, that first parable, is that people should keep praying and not give up and not quit. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came with him and says, avenge me of my adversary, my enemy. And he would not for a while because he didn't want to. But afterward, he said within himself, look, I don't care about God. I don't care about people. But this woman's getting on my nerves. I'll take care of what she wants. I'll venture, lest by her continual coming to me, she tires me out and gets on my last nerves. I don't want to deal with her anymore. I don't want to hear her voice anymore. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust just says. Some people preach this, oh, yes, we need to wear God out by our praying. That doesn't make sense. Because it says the unjust judge. God is just. He's not an unjust judge. But what Jesus is pointing out is the persistency of prayer. Persisting in prayer. Not giving up in prayer. Just like this widow didn't give up in asking of the unjust judge. And Jesus says, and shall not God avenge his own elect? Why? By implication, he's the just judge. Which pray, cry day and night unto him. Though he bear along with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. It's going to be a suddenly. 
Nevertheless, when I come back, will I find faith in the earth? Or will people quit because it took too long for them? So you understand that at the very end, and we're getting closer and closer to that all the time, Satan will do all he can to get people out of faith, to remove them from faith in God and faith in his word. Faith simply means persuasion, trust, confidence, reliance, and assurance. See, we're not those who give up. Christianity is not the belief system of the quitter. We push. We pray until something happens. We persist in prayer. Well, how long do I keep praying for that person? How long do I keep praying for that backslidden family member of mine? Until they're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, with a mighty burning fire, and dancing at the altar. Well, I've been praying for years. Keep praying. God has heard you. You know, there's some people who get saved in their life, and they say, well, I what happened? Well, they had a great grandmother who had been praying for decades, and her prayers are still working in the earth even though she moved to heaven years ago. Your prayers are generational. Don't give up in prayer. You keep praying for your children. You keep praying for your family. You keep praying for your parents. You don't let up, especially when praying for people. You keep praying until it changes. Because God will change it. You know, if there's some people I'm talking to or counseling or I know there's something going on with them, you know, I keep them before God in prayer. But sometimes what I do is, you know, God, I lift them up to you. And I just take a walk praying for them in the Holy Ghost. I said, God, I've reached the limit of what I know to pray in my natural knowledge. So I lift it up to you. I pray in the Holy Ghost. I just go on a walk. Walk a mile or so, pray in the Holy Ghost. And I keep doing that. Till when? Till I change. And they'll never know that, oh, you are the subject of my walk today. Why? I'm not, you're not supposed to give up on people in prayer. God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on others when you pray. Pray until something happens. John chapter 11, verse 41. Let's begin to bring this to a close. God has heard you. Jesus is standing before Lazarus' tomb. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that, you may be- that they may believe that you sent me. Notice Jesus' confidence. I know that you always hear me. We have to have that same confidence. Say, God always hears me. And it's like, well, Pastor, well, it's Jesus. He's the Son of God. Of course, the Father's going to hear him when he prays. I thought you were the children of God. Well, Pastor, it's a, it's a difference. But I thought when you pray, you prayed in the name of Jesus. Right? You don't pray in another name, right? Well, so if you pray in the name of Jesus, just, just follow me. Watch this. The name, Greek word unima, means the authority and the character thereof. So praying in the authority and the character of Jesus, I am coming in his stead. So if I'm praying in the name of Jesus, the authority and the character of Jesus in his stead, I'm believing that I'm going to get the same results that Jesus would if he asked the same thing. Don't pray in the name of Jesus if you don't expect to get Jesus' results. And you're already praying what Jesus would ask for because you're already praying based on the word of God. And so you come in the name of Jesus, you need to have Jesus' confidence. God, you always hear me. You always hear me. Well, I'm praying based on your word. I'm praying in faith. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. You heard me. 
Say, God always hears me. Never forget that. All the time. And he doesn't get tired of your voice. You know, some people may get tired of your voice. But God doesn't get tired of hearing from you. His ears are open to your prayers. You need to walk around with confidence, cheerful courage, bold and frank speech. Because you know that your God always hears you. So go to 1 Samuel 1 and let's close. Say, God always hears me. Knowing that God has heard you needs to cause you to walk different. To cause you to talk different. Needs to put a smile on your face. What are you smiling for? God always hears me. Yeah. It has to change your disposition. So 1 Samuel chapter 1. Story about this woman named Hannah. She couldn't have kids. And she goes to the house of God to pray. And people are messing with her now because she can't have kids. And so she's overcome with discouragement and depressed. She goes into the house of God to pray. And she's praying. Her mouth is moving, but no one can hear anything she's saying. She's praying in her heart. And the man of God, the high priest, looked at her and how she was acting. He thought she was drunk. Like, you really come to the house of God drunk? What's wrong with you? What's the matter? Put your alcohol away. That's a word for some of y'all. And the high priest said, what's going on with you? And she said, don't think that your daughter is a daughter of Belial, a worthless person. I'm not drunk. My heart is overcome with sorrow, and I'm praying to God about my request. And that was what the man of God said. Let your request be granted to you by the God of Israel. So what did the man of God say? God has heard you. What am I telling you today? God has heard you. So what did say Hannah did? She got up, and her countenance was changed. Wait a minute. She was praying for a baby. She ain't pregnant yet. All of us in here know how that works, right? You ain't look pregnant because you pray. There's some other actions and work that needs to be done. But it says she got up. Her countenance has changed. She was no longer sad. She had a smile on her face. She went back and joined her family, smiles, and I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby. She's excited. She's smiling now. What a minute. Why? She had confidence that God heard her. And if he heard me, I got what I asked for. My petition, my request has been granted. So what am I going to do? I'm changing how I walk. I'm going to smile. And so her and her husband went home. Apparently, they had some fun. Apparently, Alexa played the right jam for them. <laughs> Hannah's pregnant. She gives birth to a son, and she names him Samuel, which means God heard me. And so God heard her. But before it ever got there, she changed how she acted. She changed how she talked. She changed how she walked. She had a smile on her face. She ain't walking, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I thought you prayed about it. Well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I thought you prayed about it. Well, I, I just, oh, did you pray or didn't you pray? 
Because you're either going to believe what you pray or what you say. You need to pick one. So did you pray about it? Well, yes, and put a smile on your face. Walk like you got it. Talk like you got it. Whatever you believe, start talking, change it. Your speech, because your confidence is also bold, frank speech. It's cheerful courage. So start talking different. A couple months ago, the Holy Ghost said in one of our experiences, walk like you know who I am. Some of us forget that we serve the almighty God, the great I am, the provider, the healer. So walk like it. Talk like it. Act like it. Put a smile on your face. Why? God heard you. He always hears you. And if he hears you, you got what you asked for. But now it's all a matter of time. And during this time, I say, thank you. Why? You heard me. You've heard everything I just prayed. So that means I'm not going to stress about it. I'm definitely not going to whine about it. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to look sad and discouraged and mad as time out for people. Look, oh, look at the church. Oh, yep, I know they go to church. It looks sad, mad, and disgusted. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, they, they go to church. Look at that smile on their face. They just so joyful. They ask you, why are you joyful? Oh, God always hears me. I prayed and he heard me. How do you know God hears me? Oh, hey, if I pray for you, he'll hear me too. You anything something you want me to pray about? I can get a prayer through. Why? God always hears me. So change your face. It's time to smile some more. Say, God always hears me. Say that again. Say that one more time. Now smile about that. He always hears you. All the time. So we went through all those scriptures and stories just to let you know, God has heard you. God has heard you. So stand to your feet. God has heard you. He always hears you. So act like it. Smile. And no, because he heard you. It's your winning season. Everything attached to you wins. Why? He heard you. Thanks be to God who always causes you to triumph. Thanks be to God who always gives you the victory. Why? He heard you. So stop worrying. Stop stressing. Of course, do the other things you know to do in the natural. But stop worrying about it as you do it. Do everything in faith and in love. Knowing that your God has heard you. One of the things that the Lord told us during our first experience is that there's some of you, you're going to run into suddenness this week. Because God heard you. Some of you say, well, some things have been taking years and decades. Well, some of you are going to run into a suddenly. And so when you do, don't just, whoo, that was great, and don't tell nobody. I want you all to email me. Info at FCCGA.com. So that next Sunday I can stand up and say, and the Lord did this, 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 and... And the Lord did this, and the Lord did this, and the Lord did this, and we can all shout with you about it. God has heard you. 
This is the year of abundant harvest because God has heard you. This is the year where we all stand in awe because God has heard you. This is a year where we'll see wonders and marvels of the outpouring of our God because God has heard you. This is a year where we're going to accelerate with the wind of God at our back because God has heard you. Don't forget it. Take this cheerful courage in the speech all throughout 2019, knowing that your God has heard you. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you that you always hear us. We thank you for the encouragement of your word. We thank you for the strength we receive. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. Connect with us on social media. Our handle is at WeAreFaithATL. Follow us online at FCCGA.com. If you want to support the ministry financially, you can text FCCGA to 73256 or give online. But most importantly, we never want to close a broadcast without giving the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you never pray this prayer, repeat after me. Meet it from the bottom now. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that He died for me. But on the third day, you raised Him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you pray that prayer, we believe you've been born again. So if you pray that prayer, let us know by connecting with us online or emailing us at info at FCCGA.com. Once again, thanks for tuning in today. We look forward to seeing you next time. Have an amazing day.